So, this week, we are talking about An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green. This is Mary. This was my pick. Um, Essentially, I read this book when it came out uh, last year, I guess, and had no expectations for it, was expecting to not like it, honestly. Um, And then I ended up really enjoying it and wanted to read it with you guys, so I put it on the list. I reread it for tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, and I think I feel a little differently about it now than I did when I first read it, though I, you know, it's still, I don't know, we'll talk about it. (laughs) That's what we're talking about today. My intro question is, uh, what would your Potter Rock band name be? The reason, yay, I, yay. the reason I asked this is because Hank Green used to be active in the Harry Potter music community. The wizard rock community, I think you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Come on now. <laughs> uh, he used to write wizard rock songs. Fuck yeah. I saw Harry and the Potters so. live. Yeah. Very this cool. This is a thing? This is yeah. a thing. Okay, this is what my Potter Rock name would be. I'm going to go ahead and go so nobody steals mine. Okay. okay. This is Emily. Um, I My Potter Rock name, band name, would be, well, it would have to be four people. And it would be Padfoot, Mooney, Wormtail, and Prongs. The band. Sweet. Cool. Because the I band. love the Marauders. Would, you have yeah. s- would your band members, like, dress up as them? Yes, absolutely. Like we would do the whole thing. Like a Beatles cover band, except like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but except Marauders yeah. cover band. And I would be serious Black, obviously. obviously. Would you just call it the Duh. Marauders? No. It would be Padfoot, Mooney, Wormtail, and Prongs. Okay. Because <laughs> it's better that way. I see. That's good. This is Kelly. Um, I'm, I would. I just thought of this. So this is going to be like a um, like a Riot Girl esque band because that's apparently what I always do for these questions, but um, it's going to be called Boobatons instead of like Bobatons. Oh my god! <laughs> school. Oh my god! Boobatons. I love it. Um, love it. Is this Susan? Um. I am going to say the first thing that popped in my head because I've only read one of these books. <laughs> you got to get on that, Susan! girl. I know. Remember that project? Yeah. Get the audio book. Anyway, so, I know. The audio really are so good. good. Anyway. Yeah. Hell's Grangers. Oh, nice. <laughs> mm. Mm. That one's really good. I like it. Um, I think I would do a solo act. This is Mary. Again, I would do a solo act and play my ukulele and be the troll in the bathroom. Oh, I love that! <laughs> Amazing, it's just like to troll the point. in the dungeon. <laughs> that was your. That would be your first song. Yes, yes. one of my favorite um, Harry and the Potter songs. Harry and the Potters are really the only one that I ever listened to, but they were so good. They were so funny, 
and there's one song all it's about Valentine's Day and all about Harry's um terrible date with Cho Chang. And the chorus is like, Cho Chang, what have I done? And it's like this like <laughs> <laughs> like emo rock song. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> like uh, like a low shoulder style? Yeah. Song. Yeah. It's good. Man, Susan doesn't know about Harry's terrible date with Cho Chang. I know. She doesn't know about how about those so weird. salty tear kisses. Ugh. Sorry. <sighs> there you know, there's some awkward dating in those middle books. So many that really happens. There's just some weird Remember teenage times. Crumb and Hermione. That's a good one. Hermanini. <laughs> yeah, just I a little, that's it. just a little Ode to Hank Green's nerd origins. Um, originally, <laughs> oh, man, we're not going to talk about Harry Potter now. Behind the scenes, originally, I was like, "What's your favorite sci-fi book?" But we've already wow. done that. But I can't remember what I said yeah. last time, so I had a whole I think new it answer was, prepared. I think it was <laughs> me who asked it last. Well, because you you're did. the one who probably picked sci-fi books. I don't remember Maybe. what yeah. what it was. I think it was probably for yes. that shitty book that we all hated. Yeah. Yeah, For now you could ask Super us what our Grande. least favorite sci-fi book is. No, because Super Extra Grande, Grande didn't we answer. come up with, like, metal band names? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So that's that's what we've all learned. I can either ask, what's your favorite sci-fi book, or I can ask, what's your band name? Yeah. <laughs> that's the only two questions I got. Oh, hey, guys. Before we get too far in the episode, I was just talking to my dad before this about Game of Thrones, and he wanted me to say hi to everyone. Hi. We love you, Charlie. Cool. Hi. That's all. Yeah. It sounded like, like there was oh. more. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and? Yeah, he's just like, oh, he, you guys are recording the podcast tonight. Tell everyone I say uh, hi uh, and tell them I say have fun. No, he but, has to be a guest again someday for something yes. else. Yeah. Like the second there's something that he's he knows in. about. Yeah, please. Well, if he doesn't know about it, he'll just research it like he did for Pet Cemetery. That's true. <laughs> That's true. He was like, I got a week. I'm going to read the book. It's <laughs> amazing. Every time we have a guest, they do so much more work than I do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Well, that's because they have to prove themselves. Yeah. You know, you've already earned your spot. True. So. Uh, let's just get into this Goodreads summary. Okay. Shall we? Do it. All right. From Goodreads. The Carls just appeared. Roaming through New York City at 3 a.m., 23-year-old April May stumbles across a giant sculpture. Delighted by its appearance and craftsmanship, like a 10-foot-tall transformer wearing a suit of samurai armor, April and her friend Andy make a video with it, which Andy uploads to YouTube. The next day, April wakes up to a viral video and a new life. News quickly spreads that there are Carl's in dozens of cities around the world, from Beijing to Buenos Aires. And April, as their first documentarian, finds herself at the center of an intense international media spotlight. Seizing the opportunity to make her mark on the world, April now has to deal with the consequences of her new particular brand of fame. Deal with the consequences <laughs> of her new particular brand of fame has on her relationships, her safety, and her own identity. And all eyes are on April to figure out not just what the Carls are, but what they want from us. And then there's a blurb that's like, this book is great. It handles big themes. (laughs) It's Hank Green. I love it when the Goodreads summary includes an opinion. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An absolutely remar- remarkable thing is a bold and insightful novel of now. <laughs> okay, Goodreads. A cool. novel of now. Um, this is the point in the podcast where we have to say we are going to spoil the book. Um, we are going to talk about all parts of the book. And if you don't want to hear those things, please stop listening now and come back after you have read the book. If you don't care, stay with us. <laughs> stay with us. Hop on board the spoiler train. Hop on board. As Ira uh, Glass always says before This American Life starts, stay with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's who I want to be is Ira Glass. Don't we all? This American book. This American book. Uh, <clears throat> this novel is kind of hard for me to talk about because it's kind of entangled to me with who Hank Green is as a person. Um, but I want to start with the simplest thing. Well, why don't you highlight a little bit about who Hank Green is as a person if anyone doesn't know? Okay, if you, if you don't know who Hank Green is, you might be thinking, hmm, that name's really familiar, Hank Green. You might have heard of his brother, John Green. <laughs> uh, John Green is the author of books like The Fault in Our Stars, Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down. Turtles All the Way Down, which Todd Bear wrote a blog post about, Looking for Alaska. Um, <laughs> John Green's written a bunch of young adult novels. And is a pretty noted figure in the young adult community. But before he became an author, um, John and Hank Green had a YouTube channel where they did this series of videos called The Vlog Brothers. And essentially, they would make videos to send back and forth to each other. And I want to say for like some period of time, maybe it was a year they didn't talk outside these like videos to each other. And it was an experiment of how people can communicate online and stay uh, close, I guess. And it was supposed to be just for them, but it became very popular. They amassed a huge following. They're part of the reason why YouTube got so popular at that time. Um, They were like of the group of people who were making YouTube popular. And Hank Green has a career as a scientist and he's done a bunch of, video series and things for different websites and stuff. But he he has, like, a science degree. I want to say he's a chemist. I'm not entirely sure. Or biology degree. I don't know. He has a science degree. That's what he did. But he he kind of found himself thrust into this online entertainment world. And he has said in interviews that he had the idea of this book as early as, like, 2012. And has just been thinking about it since then. So a lot of this book is perhaps coming from his own experience being an unexpectedly popular online presence. Um, But that is all to say you might have seen him other places. And it's hard for me to separate sort of like what I know about John Green as someone who studies young adult lit. And what I know about them from their YouTube channel from like reading this book. So that's my own personal bias, I guess. Going in. Have you do you guys know anything about Hank Green? Nope. I knew he <laughs> I knew of his existence as John Green's brother and as like one half of this um yeah. video. What's it what are they called? Sorry. 
the like vlog brothers. Vlog brothers. So yeah, I took a young adult lit class like my first semester of my master's program, and that was the first time I heard of John Green. And we watched a couple of their video. I mean, this is in like 2010. Yeah. So we watched a couple of videos back then. So I like knew of him generally, but haven't kept up with his doings in the intervening nine years. (laughs) I I also knew generally of him as the other half of the Vlogbrothers. I was a huge fan of John Green when I was in high school, like late middle. Really? Early high school. And I I, I loved his, like, I loved his books. And now I see their issues, obviously, but I do. There's like a special place in my heart for him. So. They're, they're interesting. I Hank Green is definitely, like, the more low-key of the two of them. Like, neither one of them are just out doing stuff all the time. But, like, Hank Green is kind of, like, more... I don't know. He kind of sticks to what he knows a little bit more, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen him more in connection with, like, science-type stuff. And, like, hey, look at how cool the world is. Here's some science facts. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah. My first talking point is, I guess we could categorize this book, if we wanted to, as a story about aliens. The Carls, we find out later in the book, probably about halfway through the book, or a third or third of the book, um, are not from Earth. They are not an art installation. They are actually alien creations or beings. But instead of an alien story where aliens are invading or have invaded and are clearly seeking to destroy everyone or help everyone, these aliens don't actually do much for most of the book. They're just kind of a presence. So I guess what I want to talk about is, is this book actually about aliens then or is it about the reflection of humans through the aliens if that makes sense i mean couldn't you argue that all things about aliens are really just about humans (sighs) touche except maybe (laughs) well now i'm thinking about aliens and i'm like "Mm, that's about aliens but most things yeah like i'm thinking about alien Alien, the movie, yeah, is about the alien. <laughs> it's about Jonesy. But it's also about, like, man's will to survive, or woman's will to survive. And man's unwillingness to listen to her. How about <laughs> cats doing the whatever the fuck he wants and still living to the end? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cat, Jonesy about. probably ran into the alien somewhere and was like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Jonesy hissed at the alien. Jonesy was like... <laughs> Get out of my way. I'm the alien. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Jonesy was a flurkin. Yeah. Jonesy uh, is another orange cat. Now. So, to answer your question, well, I already did. Basically, I think most movies about aliens are reflections on us. Maybe more, some more so than others, though. Like, I think about, oh, man, what was that really sad Amy Adams movie that came uh, out a couple years ago? Arrival. I cried so hard. So all right, not because of the aliens. That's not the part I cried about. Right? Like it. Like it's mostly about people. Yeah. yeah. You know, or like contact. It's mostly about people. Yeah. 
Actually, um, this has some similarities to Arrival in, yeah. like, how divided people become over how the foreign species should be approached or treated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, like, the the book is definitely more about people because the aliens themselves, it is later revealed, are literally just here to, like, observe humans. <laughs> so. That's kind of the crappiest thing is, I don't know, like, they just want to look. Yeah. And people get so worked up about it. And then you think, like, well, what kind of reflections on human is that? Humans is that, you know? That yeah. everyone loses their minds. What? When did this book come out? Uh, last year. Okay, because it, um, it almost felt like it belonged in, like, 2016 specifically. Really? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to how- say, like, it's strange that he was thinking about it in 2012 because this seems very, like, Trump's America. Yeah, yeah. Versus the narrative of, like, we're stronger together, like, literal campaign slogan on the other side. But, like, it was, like, xenophobia and fear set up Uh against, well, what if we all just work together? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still happening, so, you know. Oh, yeah, I know, but it felt like (laughs) I don't know if you're here, Susan, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've noticed. (laughs) I live in Alabama, you guys. Um, But. It just felt really, like, of that specific cultural moment where, like, the narrative was so black and white, like, where either side was, like, the other side's totally ridiculous and stupid. And, like, the way that you're thinking about it is so, so dumb, no matter what you say. It's us or them. And I will hear nothing to argue with that. Like, Which, again, so every day. There's some... Mm. I can see where this was forming in like 2012 and then he said he really picked it up in 2014 uh i have a quote here i'm just kind of skipping around in my notes but i have a quote here from an interview (laughs) with hank green on vox and we can link that uh interview but essentially he's talking with an interviewer who says you know this kind of seems very timely. And I think she's alluding specifically to politics right now and how Mm -hmm. both Republicans and Democrats or conservatives and liberals or whatever two groups you want to put people in won't listen to each other because they're so sure they're right on things. And Hank Green and the interviewer both say that this actually kind of points back to an earlier cultural moment that was not as uh, big of a deal for as many people, I guess, which is Gamergate. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I might have talked about Gamergate at some point. You did the during the Ready Player One episode. Yeah, yeah. So go back and listen to the Ready Player One episode. Yeah, we hated it. Want to. But it was a time of internet <laughs> hostility and, like, women getting SWAT teams sent to their house because they dared to say something about a video game online. And it was just craziness. But uh, in this interview, Hank Green said, 2014 was such a big deal for me and sort of no longer being unambiguously positive about the internet and seeing what happened when different cultures shared the same space in a way that, like, they interacted but they never communicated. And seeing the destruction and the frustration and the bad action that caused the manipulation 
and the harassment and seeing a certain kind of rhetoric be just like so appealing to a certain kind of person. First of all, I love that all of his likes have been left in the center. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Relatable. As someone who says like a lot. Yeah. I feel that. I love it. <laughs> uh, but if this book is about humans, my alien question's out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if the book is about humans, it's also sort of about the internet in a big way and about how people use the mm-hmm. internet. And Hank Green has said, you know, like at one point in time, when they were doing the Vlogbrothers to begin with, the internet was like a super positive place and everyone was there to support, etc. But now, <laughs> yeah, people just want to argue. And I see that in this book. I think we can read politics onto it, of course. But this is, like, indicative of so many arguments people have, right? Of, like, I'm right and you're wrong. Well, and, I mean, yes, we can read politics onto it, but it's easy to do because of the words that one side's calling the other at any given time. Like, those are words that are thrown around in political arguments a lot now, especially with, like, immigration, um, you know, building the wall and such. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, xenophobia is, like, I would say, like, one of the hottest words of the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. <laughs> this is just, like, an an extra step into that territory where it's, mm-hmm. like, add another layer of, like, these people or these creatures are from another universe or, yeah. not, you know, not another universe, but another planet or whatever. And so that's adding even more uncertainty and 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 possibly a more extreme reaction to something. Yeah. That and look how have. lazy they are. They're not even contributing to the economy. They're literally just standing there. <laughs> One of them lost his hand. He's probably going to want free health care for that. Probably. <laughs> Mooching. They all lost their hand, okay? <laughs> yeah, they did. But one hand escaped. Um, yeah. No, there was one specific moment where it was like, you know, she's saying they came in here peacefully, and it's like, no, they didn't ask. So th- it's, this is not peaceful; it's an invasion. So that like every like facet of how they arrive and what they do after they get there is taken two completely different ways. Which is- yeah, and like the whole argument and conversation that she has with that one specific guy. I don't, Mary. Do you remember Peter Peter Petrowicki? Peter Petrowicki. She Peter Petrowicki is kind of like picked a peck the of leader peckle of the Defenders, which is this group of anti-Carl. Essentially the Proud Boys. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they sound like white nationalists, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peter Petrowicki has a bit of an accent in the book, so I don't actually know. And don't they keep talking about, like, America? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's always and like, this country. Yeah. How yeah. are we going to defend mm-hmm. this country, our country, blah, blah, blah. And April's like, this is happening everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, no regard for yeah. that, of course. But, you know, whatever. So, the, the argument they have is so, like, similar to every argument that happens on Twitter, where, you know, one person brings up a point and the other person brings up a totally unrelated point and they're like not they're having a conversation that's not but they're not talking to each other like yeah yeah um well and the way that also another reason this felt really of the like 
2015, 2016 culture moment is the way that the news treats both of them. And the, I don't know, the way that they both get kind of jaded about the news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when you find out later that they both have the same agent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that, like, well, they're both just pawns in yes. this thing to get, like, ratings yes. and to have this argument where no one's really talking about anything. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that argument before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really kind of highlights how news stations, like, 24-hour news stations have time to fill. Yeah. And sort of take advantage <laughs> of situations and people... Uh, to get better ratings and to get more money. Yes. And, I mean, it's all very, it's all very realistic. And I didn't feel like it was too, I mean, personally, I didn't feel like it was too much, like, on the nose, like, this exact thing. Because I'm like, this is just, like, a fact of our culture and our life now. It's not even, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't even have to be a specific reference because it's literally everywhere and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could you could just as easily say like this is about politics right now in 2019, or this is about GamerGate, mm-hmm. or this is about anything post internet. Yeah. Any number of <laughs> conflicts about- that have occurred about things where like basically there's two sides. One is the side that is like you know you know empathetic and willing to explore possibilities or whatever, and the other side is not. <laughs> Uh, But that's, of course, me being like, my opinions are right, and the other side is wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. You can do this with anything. I mean, I'm just kind of thinking, today, I don't know if you guys have read this article from the New York Times that's, like, about how men don't do housework. I, uh... It's going around on Twitter. I didn't read it, but I probably could know that without, um reading about it yeah there's nothing new going on there but i just made the mistake of looking at the comments <laughs> kelly didn't read it but she thought it <laughs> it's all of these men who say like that's not true i do things oh my god i help around Sounds like the, the argument ben and i have all the time i will say <laughs> that's not been my experience <laughs> like at least it's not been my recent experience. My current man does a lot of housework. We get it. You're happy. <laughs> he's just like that's just an ex- no. But even before, I mean, I've lived with two men yeah. before, and I would say like both of them actually. I like other reasons to be mad at people than that. I mean, <laughs> I've out. never lived with a partner, but I've lived with a father and a brother, and neither of them did anything. So, oh, I guess I could say that about my father and brother, probably. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my mom my definitely did all of that. Is a regular Martha Stewart, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, for real. I'm going to ask my sister in law how much my brother does because I'm pretty sure it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> I just like this is this is an example, though, of like there's a view presented and then one side, no matter what is said, is like, no. Yeah. yeah. I disagree because this isn't speaking exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. assuming or not not all. Yeah, and assuming that any any general statement is directed specifically at you, which yes. is you know we've talked about before an issue specifically when women talk about things that men do, and then men are like, 
Well, not all men are like that. Or I am when people like of color talk about things that white people do and they're like, well, I don't do that and I'm white. I'm like, okay, well, then they're not talking about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit of a tangent. It's yeah. not. Although that type of argument it, it's is relevant. in this book, too. Yeah. Um, even, like, at one point in the book, Peter Petrowicki, what a weird name. Uh, he is in a debate with April May, and he says, well, you've been lying about your lifestyle. Oh, my God. That part was so, that part was so accurate as to how people argue when they have run out of arguments. So they pull something yes. out from nowhere because they're like this is you know my hail mary pass where i'm gonna you know make you flustered and uncomfortable by bringing up something that's not even a response to the argument we're having and that is like the most frustrating arguing style and it also usually works because it's really hard not to get emotional or upset when someone is picking you apart on a personal level yeah it's also usually a, like, sign of a kind of dog whistle to another group of people that won't like this specific yeah. thing about them personally. Yeah. And so it's, right. they'll think it says more about them. Right. So with April, it's that she's <clears throat> bisexual and, uh, <gasps> but she, her agent suggested to her that she lie and just say that she's a lesbian because it's easier to sell one it's thing easier. or the other, but you can't be both. And she had problems with this, but she was like, I mean, I'm currently with a woman. I have been with women for a while, so, like, why not, I guess? Then later, when he brings it up, he's like, well, you lied about who you are because you've slept with men in the past, too. And it's like, how is that relevant at all to the conversation <laughs> that you're having? Also, while April May is bisexual, there are plenty of full-blown lesbian women who have slept with men in yeah, the past. Yeah, also that. <laughs> Well, and there's plenty of straight women who I'm sure have slept with women in the past. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a weird here nor there it's a, such a weird thing to in argue. In terms of the aliens. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> What's that got I to do with aliens? I just to say though? that moment like we're forgetting about the aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, unless someone's fucking the aliens, there's no need to talk about who they're fucking. <laughs> Even then, like that's a personal choice. But even, but then I have questions. Logistics. Like how? Just mechanical. Yeah. Possibly questions. relevant to who they are and how they work. You know. Where'd you find them? Yeah. What went where? <laughs> Just yeah. like I need a diagram. Yeah. Who how initiated? Did it work? <laughs> yeah. Definitely not Carl. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. That hand is the wild. Hand? That hand might have gone rogue. Yeah. <laughs> that hand was like, let's um, do some hand stuff, because that's all I've got. I'm about to get handsy. <laughs> Those are some big fingers, too. Just putting that out there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Very so comfortable. <laughs> and you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they vibrated. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. Why not? They, Why not? They should, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, some some books have action figures sold after they <laughs> get big. This book is going to have sex toys. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mary is just feeling Alien real games. uncomfortable. 
trying to gain her composure. So well, sorry. I'm trying to think of what to talk about. How do you next. move on from that? I think we're done. All right. See you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess my question would be so like, we talked a little bit about April, like in a roundabout way, but what did you guys. I mean, I would say like this book has a very strong voice. It does. Yep. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And very different from what we just read that had no voice. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We went from like one extreme with Sherry Lapina to the yeah. other extreme. Yeah. So I guess my question about April May would be like, are you convinced by her as a character? Did you enjoy her voice or did you find it annoying? Like just generally, what did you think about the characters in this book? I quite liked April. Um, and I really, I don't, I can't remember the name of the person who read April in the she audio was book, great. but I thought she was really she good. She was really yeah. good. Um, I mean, April sounded to me like a 23-year-old <laughs> who got caught up in some stuff. But I like, I really liked that um, she really tried to acknowledge like all the nuances of her feelings towards what was happening. Like she would be like, oh, I hate this. I hate that this is happening to me. And then she'd be like, but honestly, like, I mean, I'm kind of loving it. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. I will say that's one thing I really appreciated about her as a character because, um, first of all, like her voice felt very young adult to me, even though I feel like this isn't a young adult book. Um, so I was comparing her a lot to other young adult characters. And I was thinking about, um, Katniss from hunger games who also, I mean, Hunger Games is also kind of like a commentary on fame and reality TV and all that stuff. Um, But the thing that really annoys me about Katniss in those books, um, I don't really like the Hunger Games books, um, is that... I do. I I don't like how Katniss hates being famous and, like, hates all the attention because, like, she says that and yet then we get, like, really elaborate descriptions of the dresses she's wearing. I'm like, who are, who are you fooling, girl? Like, you're kind of enjoying it a little bit. And so I, I appreciated that this narrator was like, um, she had a more complicated uh, relationship to fame where she kind of like knew like, uh, it's really not cool to like be into the fame stuff, but like I'm kind of into the fame stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, She's also really self-aware in general, like about how she... Well, for most of the time, she's pretty self-aware of how she affects other people, even though she knows it's often negative. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she would, without that, I think she could come off as a lot more unlikable. Well, I think like what makes it work so well is that she's really telling this story from a perspective of being like, po- like post-life, you know? And so she has... <laughs> You know, yeah, we'll get into the ending later, but, like, she has presumably come back as something not quite human and is has written this book following that. So she is going back and looking at, at all of the things that happened from a perspective, almost like an outside perspective. So she can really – and she says a lot, like, I didn't realize this at the time – but now I know that the reason I did this was blah, blah, blah. But And you can see that in the moment that these things are happening and she makes poor decisions and she treats people badly, she doesn't really think about it. And she's mm-hmm. selfish in that way that, like, people are often selfish, especially when they're young and not really thinking things through. 
but now because the it the character's been set up in this way, it's like okay that she's that self-aware. You know, because sometimes yeah. if someone's too self-aware, yeah. you're like, then that person isn't really, you know, that realistic yeah. of a character because who's that self-aware, you know? Mm-hmm. She does have some moments where, like, at the time, she's, like, oh, she knows that the thing she's about to do is going to destroy something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she still chooses to do it. To do right. it. And she feels badly about it now. But, like, I can't remember who she's. If she's talking to Miranda or Maya on the phone, but one of them asks her, I guess it's when she gets that address and they're telling her not to go. Mm-hmm. And she says, I, I knew that like hanging up would be the worst betrayal I could ever commit. And then I hung up. Yeah. Like she has like moments like that. Um, I was like, she knows it's dumb now, but <laughs> anytime she's like in a relationship with someone in any capacity, she's just going to mess yeah. it up. She has a real yeah. problem with, being close to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I really, like, I feel like I really, I liked April a lot, and I really related to her a lot, not only because she is living in New York and working as a graphic designer, which also literally on the same street that I have worked for the last four years, except I've recently got a new job, holla. But before that, <laughs> Kelly's resolution come true. I sent, yeah. I like walked past the spot where New York Carl appears and took a picture and sent it to Mary. <laughs> Cause like I walk past that spot all the time, right in front of the Chipotle, of Chipotle. on 23rd. It's a real place. And mm. <laughs> um, it was just really like reading that was crazy for me. Cause I was like, this person is like, me a couple years ago basically and uh but i and i relate a lot to her like fear of commitment and her you know uh just like general fear of being really close to people or opening up or being vulnerable at all like i felt i don't know she was really she was interesting and i felt close to her plus you're famous also and i'm famous from this podcast Right. What did you think about her art critique, her design critique? I enjoyed it actually, and um, a lot of. And I've talked about this that when I read about art or characters who are artists, a lot of the time I get really annoyed. Like in um, Little Fires Everywhere, when it was talking about the photographs, and I was like, "These are shitty photographs." <laughs> I was <laughs> I was enjoying reading April's thoughts about art because I felt like they were. I mean. They were the thoughts of, like, a young person, and I myself am a young person who still has, like, a ton to learn about art. But, like, you know, I think she didn't ever say anything that rang false to me. Um, and I liked how excited she was about art. And I think, like, especially living in New York, like, as a young person who's interested in art, like, that's such a, like cool and exciting thing and it is easy to forget and get into this like daily horrible grind of like I'm going to work I'm coming home I'm going to work I'm coming home and when she when she stops in the middle of the street and sees this beautiful sculpture like I've had moments like that where I stop and I see something really really fucking cool and I'm like that is so cool like and I just I really liked the sort of message that this book is sending about noticing the everyday small things or large metallic yeah. things. Uh. Could be aliens. <laughs> there, yeah, and there's a lot of moments, like, a lot of this book takes place in New York, and there are so many moments where they're, like, trying to look at Carl or trying to do something, and there are people on the street just like, ugh. Yeah. 
these guys looking at whatever this is don't care. Yeah. It's fine. It is. I, I have an example of her voice. Go for it. This is a quote that um, Todd brought up to me, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> you got me. This is like such a voice. So um, this is after uh, April May has made the video about New York Carl. And she's getting famous, and she's going to uh, L.A. to meet with a lawyer, her friend Andy's dad. Anyway, she says, I didn't get a lot of sleep that night. Not because I can go all night long or anything, (laughs) but because our flight left at like six in the morning, and that meant getting up at 4.30. This was awful because I'm terrible at sleeping on planes. At least that's what I thought. Like, that's sh- that's a short quote, but that, like, not because I could go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, that's so... It's a weird tone. Yeah, I, I did not like it, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, it just, you know, and, like, Mary and I have talked about voice before, I think, with other YA books, because I think YA tends to be a little bit more conversational in tone. Um, a lot of the time, which is what this is doing again, I don't think this is a YA book. I think this is probably a new adult book and we can talk about what that means later if we want. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely dealing. Not only is it new adult in tone, but it's definitely dealing with like new adult themes of like figuring out who you are, etc. Um, but it just, it seemed, it was like trying too hard sometimes. Like, and I just got, oh, it just was a little exhausting. Um, and maybe it's different listening to the book. I don't know, but like reading it, I was just very like, sometimes I was like, okay, you know, and it, it wasn't nearly as bad as the Adam Silvera book that we read when, yeah, they both die at the end. I was like, please, can they die sooner than the end? Like, do I have to wait? Like, honestly. But um, the, it, this had moments where it was getting close to that bad for me. So. It, it never felt quite that bad to me. But there are some moments like that go all night bit where I was just like, I roll. Yeah. It was never enough to, like, make me upset or make me not want to read. Like, overall, I wanted to know what was going on with the Carls and what was going on with April May. But there were some times when she would say something as the narrator and I was just like, ugh. Yeah. I get what you're Why? saying, but I was just, like, pretty on board with her. Me too. Yeah, um, I mean, I was pr- I was pretty on board, too, but it's just, like, every now and then, I'm like, this is, like, the signal. She's young. I, yeah. And yeah, I, I, get, I get that. And maybe, I just don't remember being super annoying in my early 20s, though I'm sure I was. Oh, I'm still I, Yeah, I was bad. just about to say, I'm still um, really annoying, so. Um. Um, <laughs> have any of you read Sort of Like a Rockstar? Uh-uh. No. Do you know, have you heard of it, Mary? I thought you might uh-huh. have read it. It's a young adult book, but I read it in that same class where I read John Green. But it's, um, it's, the author is Matthew Quick, but he writes, um, his narrator is like a 14-year-old girl, and mm-hmm. it is like, 
that's always the book I think of when someone like really fucked up a voice, <laughs> like <laughs> tried way, way too hard. Um, it's like, it's clearly like a dude in his mid thirties, like what a 14 year old say, like just crazy shit, I guess. <laughs> and so, like, to me, this was just like so much better, but it was, I was a little concerned because like, I thought it might be like that when she first, you know, like when we yeah. first meet her and she's like, it's a tale of intrigue and death and blah. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen again. But it didn't. No, yeah. I so. was at the beginning, I was questioning whether or not I felt annoyed. And then as I kept going, I think, I honestly think that the narrator of the audiobook sold it so well. She really, yeah, she's good. Was really good. Like, she was clearly like an actress, not just reading. You know? Yeah. And Oh, yeah. Should we read the first paragraph? Go for it. Look. (laughs) I am aware that you're here for an epic tale of intrigue and mystery and adventure and your death and actual death. But in order to get to that, unless you want to skip to chapter 13, I'm not your boss. You're going to have to deal with the fact that I, April May, in addition to being one of the most important things that has ever happened to the human race, am also a woman in her 20s who has made some mistakes. I am in the wonderful position of having you by the short hairs. I have the story, and so I get to tell it the way I want. That means you get to understand me, not just my story, so don't be surprised if there's some drama... I'm going to attempt to come at this account honestly, and I'll also admit to a significant pro-me bias. (laughs) If you get anything out of this, ideally it won't be you being more or less on one side or the other, but simply understanding that I am, or at least was, human. I really liked that last line because that really, like, hooked me. I was like, what is happening? I know. I was like, (laughs) was human? What's going to happen? And And we still don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I assume she came end, back as, like, happened. Terminator woman. That's what I'm hoping. Zombie. I, I will say this book has a sequel. What? In the works. Oh, I was like, is it out now? I <laughs> it's not out now, but uh, Hank Green is working on a sequel. Uh, you don't have to read it, bitch. Yeah, you don't have to read I it. Like, I wonder what it's called. Why? Does it have a name? Uh, Title? Yeah, I will I for sure read so. it, because... I don't think it does, because I want to say a few weeks ago he tweeted out, hey, I need to name my second book, and I can't think of anything. Did everyone just send back stuff like, it totally amazing thing? <laughs> like, I don't know. other I plays on... Emily, do you want to talk about what new adult lit is? Oh, lordy. I haven't heard of this. Um, I didn't know about it until Emily mentioned it to me the other day. It's it a sounds pretty millennial. that's still emerging. Yeah. I think a lot of it, from a marketing standpoint, I think a lot of it um, is coming from this whole thing. I can't, I can't think of a better way to say it than thing that's happening now, where um, people are kind of like growing up a lot slower than they used to. There's more mm-hmm. of this like in between time, in between like really like after undergrad but like before you like settle down and have kids um and like have a real job like more more people are spending more time in that like in between space and like trying to figure their shit out and like having kids older and like you know the job market's a big part of that too or it's just like hard for millennials to find jobs 
And so, like, there are just more people in their early 20s, mid-20s who are in that in-between space and don't really um, know who they are or what they're doing yet, you know? Yeah. And so it's sort of like how teenagers didn't used to exist. Now suddenly there's this new period called, like, new adulthood that is, like, emerging as, like, a new era of life just because of the way that our um, lifestyle is now. Um, also, our lives yeah. are getting longer. Yeah. <laughs> so. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, personally. Um, so, I mean, along with that come books that are marketed to this um, age range, right? So, um, these are books that are for people in their early mid-20s um, who want to read about people who are dealing with the same shit they're dealing with. So like April, May, I mean, a big part of her journey is kind of like figuring out who she is. And there's like this really like, uh, on the nose line at the end where like her parents are like, you weren't building a brand. This is who you are. You know, um, you were like figuring out who you are, which was very like new adult to me. Um, but it's got, it's, you know, it's one of those things where like some of it is defined by this idea of like finding out who you are and blah, blah, blah. But then a lot of it is just like a overlap of like, this feels kind of young adult, but kind of deals with adult themes, you know? Um, it's, it feels young adult, but it's not actually about young adults. Young adults. Yeah. It's just adults acting like teenagers. <laughs> so so yeah, that's my description of new adult. That's a books. good description. Thank you. This yeah. is just this is listed in its copyright page as science fiction. It's listed as a bunch of things: fiction, science fiction, adventure, fantasy, contemporary. I, yeah, I've never seen um, new adult as like a category on a book. I have. Okay, but. I don't know if it's just because, like, I, I want to say, I don't know if I've seen it on a book. I've seen people say that about certain books. Yeah, like, I don't know if, if it has made its way into the publishing world as, like, right. we're putting new adult in the categories yeah. section, you know? Yeah. yeah. But maybe. Mm-hmm. What are some other books that we might have read or heard of that you think would fall into this? category that's a good question let me look it up i just did a quick google wow a lot of these look terrible yeah a lot of them look to be like romance novels which is not what i generally think about when i think of new adult one of them's just called lick (laughs) nice gross okay i don't know and i don't want to know um so this says that Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell is new adult technically because it's in college. Yeah. I could see that. I do really like that book. No comment. You've never read the book though. I don't need to. I know. I will not. <laughs> Refuse. This is very fascinating. I don't know. I I definitely could see the argument for this being New adult, though. Okay, nice. so here are some of the most common themes of new adult fiction. Coming of age, mental health, physical, verbal, and or mental abuse, politics, 
social issues, sex and sexuality, emotional growth, relationships. I think I dealt with all of those. Yeah. I was just thinking of, I mean, this is probably not quite in there, but I feel like the main character in Goodbye Vitamin kind of feels like yeah, yeah, she yeah. might belong in this space. She just turned 30, but, like, she's sort of, like, yeah. waffling around. Yeah. But like, I think the style of that book is not is literary. close to yeah. YA. It's yeah. very literary. Yeah. Like, that book is not really aimed towards uh, new adults, I would think. I don't know. That was just all I could think of. <laughs> yeah, no. It's it's interesting because it is, like, and well, I, how much I, does I definitely... Style matter? <laughs> I definitely see how this book is like it does have that sort of YA feel to it. Like yeah. an irreverence almost. Yeah. Yeah. Ah! Well, we're never gonna be able to really figure out a genre, are we? No. Genres are <laughs> dumb. I don't know why I brought it up. All the time. Um what do we think about the ending? What do we make of the ending? April May died, but at the end of the novel, she sends an email to her friend Andy, and then shows up at his door. <laughs> but like, okay, I have a question. So, what was the message actually supposed to be? Like, what was she actually supposed to do at the end? Because, like, okay, yeah. just so you guys know, maybe we should explain what happens at the end. So there's, like, this shared dream that everybody has. Which is my favorite part of the book. Yeah, and I wish that we knew how it, that was like, well, we never figured out how the dream happened. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, so there's a shared dream that everyone's having, and there are, like, puzzles in the dream that they're trying to figure out. Which felt very Ready Player One to me, especially because, like, the bad guys figured out the puzzle first or whatever. I literally said to, sorry to interrupt, but I said to Mary at one point, I was like, this book is, like, if Ready Player One was actually, like, interesting or good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, like, some of the tone in this was also, like, very Ready Player One. But it wasn't, like, So, like, there are puzzles, there's, like, a whole internet group that's, like, trying to figure out the puzzles together. Um, The, I guess, like, the big difference between this and Ready Player One as far as, like, the whole, like, solving the puzzle thing is like the aliens do they want everyone to work together to do it that's sort of like the whole idea um but obviously like the dudes on the other side the, the um, what are they called again the defenders they like figure it out yeah they figure it out before april may and like the good guys quote unquote whatever can like figure it out so they like, have a hacker dude or whatever who can figure out how to, like, send a fake code or whatever that basically tells April May to go to this abandoned warehouse. And then once she's in there, they're very surprised she shows up. They don't think this is actually going to work. They're just like, why don't we just see what happens? But it works. She goes in the abandoned warehouse, and they basically, like, burn it with her inside of it. But then my question is, like, what were the aliens really trying to say in the dream? We don't know. I think that uh, humans, or, or that the Carls wanted to test if the humans could actually, like, solve a puzzle together 
And I don't know what their intention is, like, what they want to do with the humans or what they want, like, the humans to do after that point. But I think they were just, like, aiming to, like they said, we were here to observe. So they were trying to, like, figure, like, studying humans as, like, a species almost. Yeah. Like, how we study, you know, different animals or whatever. But then why did April have, like, the special message? Yeah. I wasn't, like, fully satisfied with that. I mean, I like that some of it is left to interpretation, but I do, like, I really wanted to know more definitively yeah something about them and why april was the one that was chosen because it clearly was a Mm -hmm. specific choice to pick her um well there's i don't i know that i really know why i think that that's why there's a sequel yeah I i mean i wish i wish we had more answers in the first one and i hope we get more answers in the second one in a way that doesn't feel tacked on yeah well i think i read him saying something like he knew he was like i knew what story i wanted to tell and then i got this far and i was like i got to the end of this book and i wasn't finished telling the story because like otherwise it was gonna be you know so i think because you can make more money if you split it up yeah and also it's already like pretty long (laughs) so i mean yeah it makes sense. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was too long for what it, you know, like I wasn't like this could have been shortened and condensed and then. But if it was double the length, like, I would have been like, okay. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I'd rather just have another one. I would like to think he has a plan. Mm-hmm. I guess that is yet to be seen. Yeah, we'll just have to let me know how that turns out. Yeah. We will. Yeah, we will. I mean, even if there's a sequel, I still wish this one on its own yeah. told yeah. me a little bit more in the end than it did. But, I mean, overall, I'm not too upset about yeah. it, I guess. <laughs> that I was, like, the last, like, hour of it, I, like, really was, like, come on. Like, I need to know now. Like, I got back to work. I went to the orthodontist today on my lunch break, so I was, like, listening to it on the way there and on the way back. And when I got back to the office, she was just going into that. She was, like, just arriving at the warehouse and, like, saw the clothes on the ground. And I was like, shit. They like, just, I also, they just bought jars of grape jelly and put it all over everything because they were like, mm-hmm, now she'll think that we're really the aliens. <laughs> so clever. So clever. How did they figure out like, the grape jelly thing? Damn. I like so that they didn't clean up after themselves, though, at all, either. They just, like, left the jelly. <laughs> well, they jars. just needed to get her in there after she got in. It didn't matter. Yeah. Because she saw the jars. Lazy. I know, but still... It was like, just yeah. move them. <laughs> but I really Ugh. enjoyed when, I mean, enjoyed is a weird word to use for this, but I the moment when she dies <laughs> is really interesting because uh, she sort of says, like, just warning yeah. you, like, the next moment I'm going to graphically describe something. And then basically the building she's in, you know, it's it's pretty, like, the description of just her trying to get out of there and, like, on the phone with the fire people and just, like, frantically trying to escape this burning building. And there's yeah. just kind of this... While also frantically trying to get people to do something, like, yeah. all over the world. <laughs> and, like, she's just, like, I... You, like, kind of understand at a certain point that she's not going to make it out alive. And so then 
you know, she describes the the building, basically the roof collapses and then this wooden beam comes and just, like, impales her through the head. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, she's, like, for sure dead after that. Like, there's no coming back from that. Um, And then she kind of, like, I just, yeah. I enjoyed hearing someone describe their own death. It's not something that I... Uh, get to read it very often. Her description of the beam like going through her because it was like it didn't like smash yeah. me <laughs> it yeah. like cut through me and she said like she said like something dropping mm-hmm. into water which was I was like oh. It was coming oh out God. fast. And then yeah. she goes to platform nine and three quarters. Basically. <laughs> basically and it's kind of fun too that after she you know wakes up from the dream then the next chapter is narrated by andy and it's especially fun on the audiobook because all of a sudden it's hank green talking <laughs> and he's like hello and i'm like what um a male voice is this carl Dang it. <laughs> so i enjoyed that too yeah, I kept wondering because I saw like when I downloaded the audiobook it, that it said narrated by. I sh- I really need to look up her name because I'm not doing her justice at all. But narrated yeah, by I was her like, Green, and I was like, like halfway through, I noticed that again, and I was like, wait. I thought he was going to be the Carl. Pop in and read the acknowledgments. That doesn't count. I love. I also love the part where, and this was so. This is a part about internet culture that really like. Um was smart i think where towards the beginning after she's been asleep and she wakes up and this video is now viral and she says something like uh uh, like well what what are the what is carl blah 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 and then he's like the carl and she's like what and he's like it's not carl it's the carl yeah (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. like when someone says some stupid like they say a word wrong for the internet like i twittered something instead of i tweeted it and then it's like, you're so dumb. Why would you say that? It's like one word, like one syllable difference. But it is, it is funny. I was just going to mm-hmm. find the, the name of the girl who's, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to her. If my phone wants to not freeze, that'd be cool. Also a refreshing change of pace from A Stranger in the House because that audiobook narrator You gotta work with what you're given. You know, yeah, she was probably doing the best she could with the material she had. I don't blame her entirely. I'm just saying, by comparison, I feel like this was, like, one of the better narrators I've heard on an audiobook. Okay, so this actress's name is uh, Kristen Sia. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's S-I-E-H. Um, but it looks like, I looked her up and she's, like, she has, like, an IMDb. She's in a bunch of stuff. So, cool. Apparently, she was on House of Cards. I want to go listen to a snippet of her now. Now I want to see what she looks like. Mm. Um, oh, she's on Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, she's How about that. She's been in a lot of stuff because she's a real good actress. And wow, she has a—I don't know—her voice is very um, pleasant to listen to. Also, I thought. Do we want to leave? Everyone with our ratings. Yes, please. <laughs> you go first, Emily. 
I gave this three stars. Well, I haven't rated it yet, but I will give this three stars. Um, I think it was good. I think if you, I definitely could see like reading this. I was like, if you got into this voice, then it's probably like pretty fun. But I think it's like one of those things where you're either going to like it or not like it, or you're, you're going to like it or it's going to really annoy you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of got on my nerves. That's fair. Um, but I think the story was doing some interesting things. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, like I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. So three stars, very solid three stars. Cool. This is Kelly. And I think I'm going to give it four stars. Cause I definitely more than liked it. I really, I was really into it and I was very like, um, invested in what was happening and interest like I I listened to it so fast and I like got home after like a really long day and I was so tired but I just like had 20 minutes left so I just like laid there <laughs> in my bed and like listened to it which I never do like I'm all anytime I'm like listening to an audiobook or a podcast I'm like doing other things at the same time but I just was like I'm just gonna finish this <laughs> um so yeah I nice. I recommend it and I definitely <laughs> recommend the audiobook uh Four stars. Hey, it's me, Susan. Um, hey, Susan. Hey, Susan. What's up, girl? Uh, I'm also going to give it four stars. Um, I think it handles, like, kind of newer of the moment themes in a smarter way than a lot of stuff I've seen do that. And um, just, like, for an enjoyment factor, I want to give it a four. Because I feel like lately I've had trouble, like, really getting engaged with anything. And... I don't know. Like, Gingerbread was a real slog for me. I just couldn't do it. And there's been, like, a couple of books like that where I've just felt like, eh, I was really excited about this, but I'm not there. And with this, I was, like, really engaged the whole way through. And I feel like that deserves four stars. This is Mary. Hi, Mary. I gave it five stars. Ooh. I gave it five stars because I was so interested, and we didn't talk about this much, but I was so interested in this shared dream sequence that I couldn't stop reading it. Like, that was just such an interesting idea that I wanted to know what happened. I enjoyed the voice. I see how it could annoy people and, like, agree with that. But it worked for me. And I just I just really enjoyed it. I mean, like, it's one of those things, like, I can't describe. It's just that every time I put it down, I was thinking, I wonder when I'm going to get to read this again. I'm excited to pick it up again. And even rereading it for the second time, I had that feeling. Knowing what would happen, I was like, oh, but I get to read it some more. So that, that's the mark of a five-star book for me. Uh-huh. For sure. Yay. We got some feedback. Yeah. We do. <laughs> um, I can read the first one. This is feedback from the Gunners. The Gunners. Which was which a while back. A while ago, but we have two feedbacks for it. Yeah. Um, from Alex from New England, comma, our pal. Yeah. <laughs> hey, BSG. Loved the Gunners, and I made the mistake of reading the last few chapters over lo- 
a lunch in a deli. That last paragraph about love and friendship wrecked me. I had to quickly and quietly leave so that I could cry in my car. I did not want the staff or customers to think that the too mustardy pastrami on rye moved me to tears. <laughs> Have you... <laughs> Have you ever gotten emotional over a book while in public? Good grief, Alex from New England. <laughs> First yep. of all, mm-hmm. if a sandwich moves you to tears, what a good sandwich. Don't yeah. be ashamed. I hope one day yeah. I have a sandwich that does that for me. So, Alex, I think he was just like, the sandwich wasn't good enough to move me to tears, right, so right, I don't right. want people to think it was. Let me tell you my story about how I was working as a projectionist at Carmike Cinemas. Holla. I don't know if there are any more of those anywhere. Um, there definitely, there definitely aren't projectionists anymore. Um, but I was working at a, as a projectionist at Carmike Cinemas and I had a lot of downtime. And so I was reading, uh, Harry Potter. Um, the, which one was it? I don't know. All the Harry Potter books make me cry. Honestly, I think it was the fifth book. I'm pretty sure it was when Sirius died. Sorry if that's a spoiler for everyone. Sorry. Um, Sorry, Susan. Oh, Susan doesn't <laughs> I mean, even know who that is. Yeah, but yeah. it's okay. I know. A, I know a lot of like important deaths that are going to happen just because it's I don't know twenty years old. So it's cultural yeah. knowledge at this point. Yeah, yeah so right. I really can't be upset about it. Um, but anyway, I think that's what I, I mean. I read most of them at work, so I can't remember exactly. But I think that was what it was, and I was crying, and my boss came up behind me. And started making fun of me, like, oh, are you crying about the book? Like, you know. So that was awesome. Yeah, yeah that was that was Gus. Thanks, Gus. Love ya. But yeah, that's I, my story. Um, I'm pulling up my Goodreads right now so I can, like, think <laughs> about this. I, I cry about stuff all the time. So About a book in public? Not I've never cried about a book, but not in public, really. It just hasn't happened, but... When I was in sixth grade, I was reading Wicked in class, and I got to the scene where, like, they all go to a sex club with weird animals, and I remember reading it in class and thinking, like, oh my god, does anyone know what I'm reading right now? (laughs) Like, having that feeling of reading something scandalous, and, like, I wasn't supposed to be reading it, and I was hoping no one else knew what I was reading. Oh my god. (laughs) The last time I cried in public over a book was um, because of a stranger in the house because it was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Actually, the last time I cried, I cry um, fairly frequently in public about books because I'm often reading them on the train. Uh, So it's kind of like just a given. I'm not, I don't like weep or anything, but I'll have like, I'll like tear up. And I think I mentioned this, that during Goodbye Vitamin, I teared up on the subway during the part when... Yeah. I think it's, uh, like, the letter that her dad wrote to her as a child, and then she's writing him, like, mm-hmm. letters in the present. And I was just like, ugh. Uh, while I do cry a lot in general, um, and I cry at a lot of, like, movies and TV shows and stuff, I don't really cry books very often but one time it just said emotional so i'm going to talk about a different emotion um one time a book made me laugh so fucking hard 
that I couldn't stop for 20 minutes. And I was, I mean, I was only in front of, I wasn't really in public, but like someone was there who wasn't reading it. And they were like, what is the matter with you? I could not, I was like crying, choking, laughing. And it was Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. And it was just one sentence about a moose that still to this day, when I think about it, <laughs> Wait, can you tell us the sentence? <laughs> no, because like when I tried to read it out loud to the other person that was there, they're like, I mean, that's like kind of funny. And I was like, okay, it's like the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, but whatever. I'll try to find it while you guys read the other feedback. I will read the next one. Okay. Ellis from Portland. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Ellis from Portland says, Hi, squad. You responded to my Facebook comment to say that you're still accepting feedback about the Gunners. So here it is. I gave the Gunners a three-star review on Goodreads. When y'all read the Goodreads synopsis, it really made me laugh. I don't know who wrote that (laughs) Becca Kaufman is, quote, one of the most important young writers of her generation, but I like to imagine it was Rebecca herself trying to hype the book. (laughs) I say this because I write press releases for our band where I exaggerate how great we are, and I like imagining the author doing the same thing. (laughs) In any case, my feeling about how this book... My feelings about this book were very complicated. The author had a really great writing style that was entertaining and thoughtful. However, as the book progressed, the characters and secret reveals just seemed more and more pointless. The entire last chunk just seemed like three different afterwards tacked on there for no reason. I was finishing up reading this book at the hospital while my partner was getting surgery, and I kept whisper shouting, Why? <laughs> I was reading it. Pretty sure other people thought I was crazy. That is also an emotional emotional reaction. Yeah. It is. (laughs) Books like this kind of break my heart because the author is so close to being great, but just can't land the shot. Maybe her next book will be better. I just read a little Ursula K. Le Guin as a palate cleanser, and now I'm moving on to Fruit of the Drunken Tree, so I will send you some feedback on that one soon. Yay! Yay! Love listening to y'all squad. I especially love the Magical Girls RPG episode. Please do another one soon! I forgot to say, this was a separate submission. I forgot to say, give Cersei her chair. That's right. A cat need a chair. That's right. She needs to sit on her throne. The, the chair is still continues. there. It is still we'll here. See. The chair is still here, Ellis. So. I would love to do another magical girl up sometime. We definitely yeah. should. With yeah. I'm excited characters. to hear your comments on Fruit of the Drunken Tree. Me too. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending us feedback, you guys. We love you guys. And we love you. And hi again, Alex. It's been a while. I Glad know. Where have you been? In a deli. <laughs> Where were you? Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> all right. We are accepting feedback at all times. For Please all things. Email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com. Or hit us up on any social media. Yeah. But wait, Either. what's on the blog? What's on the blog? <laughs> what's up next? Uh, Riverdale is Forever. almost over. Oh my gosh. It's almost over. Is it really? Until when? Like two weeks from now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. It's usually like a year, right? Yeah. A year break. But then it goes on for <gasps> a year. So <laughs> It's a year and then it goes on for a year? So yeah, it's like so one it year on, one like year off? It feels like they're on hiatus so much. <laughs> <sighs> oh man uh, 
still happening. happening. Survivor is probably almost over. And guess what's just heating up? The Batch. Bachelorette. With Susan and Emily. And sometimes sometimes Kelly. Kelly. (laughs) Who will win? (laughs) I don't know yet. I Um, haven't watched it. But by the time this gets published, there's going to be some content up on the blog. Tell you that much. I also don't know what other blogs are going to be because this is like so far in advance from when we're like. uh, Full disclosure, we are recording this basically a full week earlier than we normally would because everybody's got crazy schedules. Yes. So there's going to be some stuff on the blog we don't even know about yet. Go check it out. Check it out. Mm -hmm. I bet it's really good. Yeah. Next time you hear us, we will all be dead. Together. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> <laughs> More than human. <sighs> next next other episode, we are doing a travel episode. Yes. If you have ideas about what you would like to hear of our travels. Yeah. Let us know. Please, if you have ideas for a plot. Let us know. Also, if you have ideas Send for a way. general plot of a fake Sherry Lapina novel. We're also writing hit it. Us up with those. We're writing it. Well, I'll tell you. The only requirement is that the women have. Do to you really know terrible. your spouse? Do you? <laughs> I don't know. Do, do you, you, Emily? Do you know do your you? neighbors? Do you? Do I don't. You? Definitely don't know my neighbors. <laughs> Can you really trust anyone? Yeah. Can no. you? What's the next book episode, Susan? The next book episode will be on the Mars Room by Rachel Kushner. Um. All I know about this so far, because I've been trying not to read very much about it, is that it is narrated by a woman who is just starting out serving two consecutive life sentences mm. in prison. Mm. Bum, bum, bum. I have the audiobook, which is a complete turnaround for me. Mm. So we'll see. I probably will get the audiobook, because I just upped my Audible subscription to get more than one. I have the real book, so... Let's do this. I want to update our listeners who were probably very concerned. Susan has received her correct necklace now. (laughs) Yes. It's adorable. She is no longer Mama Bear. (laughs) Well, she'll always be Mama Bear in our hearts. Yes. All right. Cool. Um, Please, uh, if you're so inclined, which you should be. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really, really need other people to find us, and that is the best way. It's stuff. It works. This is the internet, okay? Trust me. Um, also, <laughs> this is Trust us, we're internet famous. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I'm basically IT for this podcast. Um, also... Yeah. We have social media, mm-hmm. also related to the internet. So you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bookswuggles. And you can go to Bookswuggles.com to visit us on the World Wide Web. Also, Bookswuggles.com slash blog is where you can find our many, many blog posts. And we really hope that you will send us some feedback about this episode or the last episode or the episode before that or even the next episode. You might not have heard it yet, but why not send some feedback? You know it's going to be about travel. So how do you feel about travel? Let us know. We're ready. (laughs) 
how you feel about travel, let us know. Are you one of those weird people who hates it? I don't know. They're out there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that note. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys in New Orleans. Bye.